Hello and welcome to this Sustainable Wine podcast. This is a recording of a conference session that took place on the 2nd or 3rd of June 2021 as part of Sustainable Wine's Future of Wine Americas Conference 2021. We'd very much like to thank the sponsors of that conference, BSI, Bodega Argento, Jackson Family Wines, International Wineries for Climate Action and Avenea. Thank you to all of those groups for their important support and I hope you enjoy the session. Looking forward to a really interesting discussion with Carlo uh, about renewable farming energy and organic as the new conventional and working out how we get there. We had a great debate yesterday about glyphosate and uh, other issues in science and so on. We're not going to get down the, the glyphosate rabbit hole again, <laughs> but it was a really interesting discussion. And, and for me, the most interesting thing is that we all agreed really on the objective. The question is, how do we get there? And, and what does the science look like along the way? Um, and so really interested to, to hear from Carlo with his thoughts on this uh, in, in kind of multifaceted experience, really, Carlo, because you've, you know, doing viticulture and and vineyard equipment at the same time. So um, for, for the audience who don't know what you've been doing about Monarch, um, give us an overview of, uh, of what you've been doing and you know, w- w- what you'd like to talk about today. Yeah, awesome. And uh, Toby, thanks for, for putting this together. It's great to be here and um, great to be here with you all. Um, I guess if, if it's all right, I'll just give a little background on how I got into the, the tractor business because um, you know, one of my first jobs since I was, you know, I, you know, I think my first, you know, I was cleaning the barns when I was seven years old, just down the hill um, on my family's ranch, and um, I, I became very close with a um, uh, our, our, the manager of, of of the ranch, who was also the tractor mechanic, and I ended up changing oil and tractors and having a lot of fun. But I never dreamt or imagined in a million years that I'd be in the tractor business. And the way I got into this is kind of interesting. Just, um, uh, I guess around 2013, when I, my brother and I began uh, rain winery, I started looking out and seeing vineyards and, and, and really um, exploring the Sonoma Coast. And I had been for a while leading up to this, but I started seeing more and more through the consolidation of, of, of wineries um, that there was more strip sprays, blocks, blocks of strip spray being sprayed. And I, you know, going back to when I first learned about, um, you know, herbicides and, and what chemically mowing was I was shocked that you would spray a chemical down by the root ball of, of a vine where you know all the nutrients being was being taken up and it just didn't make kind of common sense. Um, and so um, I, I really became passionate about um, kind of the environment. Um, something that growing up in Napa, you know, one is, it's just so beautiful. We literally, Napa and Sonoma, I, I, I kind of, equate to like a national park with with um, a beautiful little wine industry in the middle of it and, and the wine industry has actually helped protect and preserve the the beautiful nature around us um, it's why there's not you know a silicon valley in napa or or you know a, a city it's 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 the vineyards that have kind of helped keep it wild um and so I, i've always loved and and appreciated nature and um and when I learned about the collapse of the monarch butterflies and calling collapse with the bees and this co- the correlation with herbicides and particularly glyphosate um, I started thinking called the Monarch Challenge, trying to basically create awareness with farms, saying, hey, um, did you know that, that these chemicals are, are, are bad for, you know, not just the human health, but also for the environmental health? And here's a couple ways that you can farm without these chemicals and creating a conversation. And I remember that I started this in 2016 and 17, and it was shortly after starting this, I became incredibly depressed because I realized that the only way we were going to bridge this was if we found an economic solution that actually made it financially viable and financially um, more successful than, than, than going down the conventional path. And I also learned through this journey that 
um, net organic farming wasn't necessarily better for the planet on a carbon footprint standpoint, because um, not all farms, but but many farms have to do more passes and, and that correlates with the combustion of more fuel. And so there was always this argument of, of is, is um, you know, conventional better for the planet because you burn less fuel or is organic better for the planet because you preserve the soil microbiome and the farm biology. And, you know, we're in a climate emergency, you know, 2017, that, that wildfire that hit was just unbelievable. Um, never, I really realized that, that the climate was changing. If we don't get a hold of this quickly, it's going to spiral very quickly out of control, which it, it really is right now. When you look at Siberia and the Amazon and Australia, and just the world is, is seeing record temperatures and fires and um, challenges and storms and um, difficulties that we've, we've never seen the likes of before. And so going back to the monarch challenge, I realized that we had to bridge this economic divide and the carbon footprint divide. And um, I realized that if you look over the bay from, from Sonoma and Napa, um, we have one of the incredible technology industries, Silicon Valley, just the whole entire technology universe is really, um, uh, you know, there. Um, and, and so um, I began talking with, and, and of course, um, you know, Tesla having coming out, having come out with that um, first kind of autonomous um, car, partial autonomy, where you can pop it in and, and go down the freeway at 70 miles per hour, put it in ludicrous mode and have it change lanes. And I, I was thinking to myself, well, if you can do this with a car, with all the confusion of, of, of the roads, then you certainly can drive down a vineyard row at one to three miles per hour um, autonomously. And so that was where I said, well, if you can do that, then you can get rid of the economic divide. And then if you can, you know, make these tractors electric, um, which, which um, with the cost, with, the, with everything that's going in with, with auto, the cost has come down significantly, um, then you can, you can get rid of the carbon footprint. And so you can have a win-win situation. And, you know, I'm not an engineer. Um, I got inc I, one of the best introductions of my lifetime through a very good friend, John, um, he introduced me to the president of Monarch Tractor, um, Mark Schwager, who, you know, comes from Tesla. His very first role at Tesla was um, to double the Roadster production uh, from 10 vehicles a week. And he did more than that. He did it. He brought it up to 25 vehicles a week. And then he was involved with the S factory. And, and then um, his final job at Tesla was to go from site selection and, and build of the Gigafactory. Um, and then he went on to do all sorts of electrification um, challenges and, and um, ended up meeting the other two co-founders of Monarch Tractor, Praveen Pemetsa, who's um, our CEO and has been building and deploying electric vehicles for the last 10 years, including agricultural technologies. And, and then Zachary, who's our CTO, he's a, he has his PhD in robotics from Carnegie Mellon and a master's in electric engineering. So I, the, I got introduced to these guys through a friend, John Zimmer, and um, we sat down and each one of them had kind of come to the conclusion that this needed to happen independent of, of my influence and, and, and being a farmer and screaming for this technology so that we can achieve the monarch challenge um, and, and achieve so much more. And, and it solves much more than just the monarch challenge. And so um, back two years ago, we, we founded Monarch Tractor and um, now we have a factory in Livermore. Um, we have an electric uh, driver optional smart tractor that will um, bridge the divide, um, the, the financial divide between conventional and organic farming and also the carbon footprint divide. And so it unlocks so much more than just that. Um, it, it, but that kind of is the tip of, of the iceberg of, of Monarch Tractor. Um, and so that's kind of, that's, that's the exciting thing right now, Toby. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things with, with the wildfires and with all of the power outages that we experience on farms. Um, I was just talking with a friend 
uh, today who's, who's trying to find generators. And I was like, if you can just hold tight, we'll, we'll get you um, these tractors because there's exportable power and incredibly powerful mobile power wall on the tractor. So um, when we do have these outages that are preventive, they're, you know, PG&E is trying to prevent fires from happening. And so they'll cut the power. But then if you have fruit in the winery and you're trying to get a pump over done or, you know, just operations um, and keep the lights on, um, it becomes a very big challenge. And so the tractor becomes um, a, a piece of that um, uh, solution as well, being able to power um, the pumps and keep the lights on. Um, yeah, let's let's talk a bit more about that because the ideal is to get to the fossil fuel electric vineyard and winery. So how does the tractor fit into that beyond um, just being in the vineyard? I just want to be clear about how else you can use it and how you would charge it and how you could be um, energy independent. I mean, I guess you could have, Tesla type big battery there. You can you can top that up with electric, um, obviously with a PV panel. I mean, how how does it how does it work? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the the incredible thing is that we you know when I drive up to um, my family's ranch right now and we have our diesel tanks there and I think my gosh I can't wait for those things to be gone, and and the sense of just the logistics of, of fuel being brought up and kind of put into those these tanks and the infrastructure that we put in, we put an investment into originally into creating the ability to have, you know, a, a diesel tank and, and, and run the farm um, with fossil fuels. Um, the, the exciting thing about being electric is that there's not just a bridge away from fossil fuel farming and into clean farming. There's actually a bridge into renewable energy farming where you no longer need to be dependent on um, a, a third party for your power. Um, you can literally harness the energy from the sun, from the you know, geothermal, hydro, um, uh, and so you can power your farm through renewable energy. And that's when you really unlock a huge amount of carbon footprint savings. So right now, just hooked up to the grid, going from diesel to uh, Monarch based on you know, kind of an average. So this is a, a very average number of about 1,000 hours um, a year of tractor operations. You're, you're saving 53 uh, metric tons per, per tractor. Um, if you go to renewable energy, you save 73 um, uh, metric tons. And so, and on the on monarchtractor.com, there's a whole calculator you can start to play with. You can flip it between renewable and grid um, and so on. But the, the future really, I, I, I see, you know, investments that I, I think, you know, solar is, is incredible. Um, and then if you can harness that solar to power your farm, um, it, it, it's wonderful. And in California and some of these areas where, um, you know, we're, we're blessed to be able to farm and make wine, we, we have good sunshine during the growing season that allows for um, that renewable opportunity to be, um, and, and also with just the technology and development of, of solar panels being so much more efficient than they were even five years ago. Um, it really, really unlocks a, uh, something special to be completely off the grid. But um, immediately right off the bat, um, just in terms of adopting Monarch Tractor right now, um, you know, in every uh, tractor um, barn that, that I've ever been in, there's, there's um, you know, uh, a welder, in there. And so that electric, that was our kind of magical port was it will connect to um, the, the welding electric um, kind of port and be able to power or, or um, uh, power the tractors that way. And so that's our charging situation uh, um, setup is, is via, uh, you know, your, your already existing tractor barn and kind of the infrastructure that you already have. We didn't want to have to have a big infrastructure change on that side, um, which is, which is uh, exciting. Um, yeah. Of course, that power can be coming off a fossil grid. Obviously, in many cases, it still is. Have you worked out how much PV someone has to put up to to charge the tractor? Is that a, is that a viable option? Uh, in terms of uh, 
on-site renewable energy to charge the tractor. Is that possible? Oh, in terms of solar powers, uh, or, or yeah, um, uh, yeah, no. Um, there's definitely we have a calculation, and we have a team that can kind of depending on whether it's geothermal, hydro, um, or solar um, to create an array large enough for the fleet of tractors. So there's. You know, the idea is that eventually barns become solar barns and that the whole entire roof infrastructure um, can kind of fuel the, the tractors that are that are underneath it. Um, and so, that you know, that's it's right now we're, we're able to, to do that. Um, you need, a, you know, fairly good amount of, of square footage, depending on how much you need to um, use your tractor. So, you know, um, if you need to use your tractor every day of the week, then you need to have a very fast um, solar array. And the other kind of interesting and, and great thing about the tractor is that the, um, uh, if you are using autonomy and the lights are, are wonderful if you're driving, but if you are using autonomy, autonomy works incredible at night. Um, there's not the kind of lights that are bouncing. It's you're able to flood the field with light. And then, um, you know, so you can charge in the daytime and do your operations at night, which is, which is kind of lovely in that regard on a renewable side. Yeah, and nice and quiet as well, so you can get some sleep. <laughs> um, so how much do these tractors cost? I mean, for those who don't, you know, aren't going through the website, what's the cost and, uh, you know, what's the kind of uh, um, production at the moment? You know, if someone's watching this and, like, and they want to get hold of some, um, how much is it going to cost and when can you deliver? Yeah, uh, so that's a great question. And it's something that I, I'm, you know, Mark, Praveen and Zachary worked hard on. We're really fortunate because when we first debuted this, we were at Unified Wine and Grape Symposium and we had, you know, people sign the NDAs to come in and see the tractor. And um, we would ask them, what do you, what do you think the cost is? And, and everyone was saying, you know, north of $100,000. And we had some pretty, pretty high um, uh, guesses. Um, but we wanted to make this a very uh, approachable price, something that farms would say, this is really cool technology. Um, this is really well built. This is robust. This is all the data and all the technology needs that we we really want to tap into, uh, and the crop the cost is is worth it. Um, and so uh, for the two wheel drive uh, Monarch tractor, it's fifty eight thousand, and for the four wheel drive, it's sixty eight thousand um, dollars. We also you know another really interesting and amazing thing with the Carl Moyer Farmer Program. Um, so it's a it's an air quality board of subsidy. Um, if you trade in um, your, your existing tractors, you can get incredible subsidies. Um, and, and we have a team that's there able to help um, kind of navigate that for your farm. Um, so, you know, we, we, our goal is to have the price not be um, a hindering point. We want this to be adopted across farms across the world so that we can, you know, literally wean, because turning on one tractor as it is on average, it's like turning on 17 cars. They're very dirty. Um, you know, it's particulate matter, CO2 and NOx and, and, and it's a class one carcinogen. It's, it's not fun to be on a tractor, especially if, if you're sitting there idle just to keep the lights on and, you know, you're burning all of that fuel and you're just breathing it. And it, it's, it's um, something that I think um, is going to be exciting to be able to get away from. And then the cost savings, once you have that technology within your farm, if you turn on the autonomy um, and you kind of have one person managing maybe two tractors, um, your cost savings can be, uh, you know, close to $20,000 a year per tractor. Um, and so there's, there's a bridge to going um, away from conventional farming and, and, and into beyond organic farming, getting rid of herbicides and et cetera, and, and saving a significant amount of money. Just just run those those numbers through us again, Colin. Twenty thousand. Just break that down a bit. I'm really curious. So you're saying the payback can be really quite fast. 
Yeah, if you're leveraging the autonomous features in the tractor, um, and so that, that that comes from everything. I mean, the tractors are really easy to service because you know you have 10% of the moving parts of a diesel tractor. Um, we've talked with with um, diesel tractor engineers and just with all the different filters that are being put in these tractors to be cleaner. Um, it, it's a lot more work to to you know break down and clean the filters and put back together. And so the the, the costs um, are going up significantly on on just keeping the tractors running. So, you know, if you correlate that to saving a third kind of, of, of what you look at, and you can kind of see a parallel with that in the auto industry with electric vehicles and versus, you know, fuel vehicles, um, a big savings there. Um, there's incredible savings in, in um, the operation when you turn on the autonomy piece. And then also you're getting the driver away from, this is one of the things that I'm, I'm really excited about is that you can now as a farmer, and I, I don't know if, you know, actually, I, 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 one of the biggest challenges we have, um, and I was just talking with a Japanese company, their average farmer in Japan is 66.6 is years of age, and they're having a hard time finding younger farmers. And our, our, on our ranch, personally, with my family, um, our most skilled uh, tractor driver has been working with my family for over 33 years. He's incredibly brilliant. He's also a master grafter and an incredible guy. And he, we've been trying to get him to train, you know, tractor drivers to come in and learn how to drive a tractor, operate a tractor, et cetera. They come in, they stick around for three years and then they're out. It's a dull, it's a dangerous and it's a dirty job. And so, um, and we certainly do not want to have this individual driving tractors. There's some much more important work to be, be um, done on the farm. And so, and, and if you can just imagine putting yourself in the tractor and saying, hey, I have to go spray every one of these rows. I have to go mow every one of these rows. After you do a couple of the rows, you just are like, this is just incredibly boring. And it's, it's true. Um, and so, and it's, it's dangerous. If you get into certain situations, it can be incredibly dangerous. And so um, one of our, our goals is to be able to remove hazmat suits from farms. So no longer do you have to be near chemical sprays, even organic contact sprays are, are terrible to breathe. Um, and so being able to keep farmers safer um, and, and being able to kind of step back from, from that. So that's a huge, a huge part of, um, of the autonomy piece. And the other, other side of that is, is management and being able to manage more tractors um, uh, with, with a, a smaller team. Um, and so you can have the team out working and we're not saying replacing uh, drivers or replacing individuals. We actually see these people um, now doing hand passes and the needed work on the farm, uh, which, which is far more important, uh, I think, than just going up and down the rows, which, um, you know, I, I love driving tractors, by the way, I'm, I really do enjoy it. So don't get me wrong. And there's a reason why we have a tractor seat on the tractor. Um, but I think that you can imagine the amount of time savings that you can get by doing this. And then also, um, when you start looking at going organic and the extra passes that that might take or going beyond organic. Um, and then even when you go into these really beautiful niche farming practices, there's always this idea of can, can you do more? And, um, the exciting thing is that doing more doesn't need, mean necessarily mean a greater cost. Now you can do more, you can do more, more mowing passes or folding or however you want to deal with your cover crop. Um, you can do uh, more detailed um, spray passes or, or if you're, you know, unlocking the potential future of, of using UV light to fight um, uh, fungal pathogens, you can, you can, um, use that as well. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that. Could you could you have that that capacity on the tractor? So as it's going up and down, it's detecting potential disease. 
Yeah, that's so one of the we went with a, va a vision stack for our autonomy. So there's cameras on the whole entire sensor suite, and then there's cameras down below, um, which capture incredibly high definition imagery from basically the root all the way to above the canopy. And so you're getting the, the fruit zone, you're getting the whole entire um, uh, plant. And while you're going down, it's also recording, um, uh, you know, all of this um, It's geotagging it. So you know where each individual plant is, and you're able to then go back and, and look at plants. And what we're working with, the exciting thing is that we, we first off, we're a farmer first um, attractor. So we, we, allow farmers to work on on their tractors this isn't you know a closed loop system so um, we, we encourage um, and that's something that I, I personally we, we as a team all wanted to but i i personally think is important to um to you know, the tractor industry is that if you get something you should be able to fix it yourself um but on on the the data side and um, we're working with third-party apps that can create um you know different technologies with all of the data that we're able to put out and then Put that into tangible bite-sized pieces for farmers so saying hey you know you have short shoots on this vine whereas all your other vines have taller shoots you should go check this out and creating an alert and then you go back and say oh yeah i have utypa or there's esca or and being able to hopefully capture it sooner than later so you can save the overall vine versus being too late and we're working you know, uh, with UC Davis on on uh, different things from entomology to um, uh, you know the overall canopy health management, um, being able to help with the soils and all of that. So it's there's right now there's an, an incredible amount of data. It's it's almost immeasurable um, that that we're able to pull in. And, and, and so the, the future is really exciting with that platform to be able to have apps and say, okay, hey, these, these apps are important for me as a farmer. I wanna use these from a vine moisture and a canopy kind of standpoint or from a you know, cluster counting and, and yield estimation standpoint. Um, so there's a bright and exciting future on the data side with Monarch as well. Um, certainly our, our initial focus is uh, getting rid of fossil fuel, going to clean energy, um, and, and being able to kind of have that be, uh, you know, one of the, the biggest um, and most important, I think, pieces, but then the data and the autonomy and the, all the financial benefits that you get with that um, is exciting as well. So over time, you'll be able to see really what's happening in the vineyard uh, as the, the tractor is going up and down. So you can wake up in the morning and you have a kind of assessment of risks that you can you can deal with on a micro basis before they spread. Is that is that coming down the track? Or, or are you saying that you're collecting the data to do that now, but the analysis isn't quite there? Or just wondering how far away that is? Yeah, we're we're working on developing a lot of these apps um, with with third parties, um, and then we'll be developing some of these apps on our own as well. Um, but yeah, no, the the amount of information is all there, present. So it's all there. Now it's mining for it and creating the apps for the farmers. And so some of those apps, um, you know, we're, we're working with also implement companies to um, create apps for their implements. Um, and so all of that will be coming with with the rollout. Um, and I think that in the next 12 to 24 months on the app side, we'll see a significant amount of, of, of uptake on that. Um, and again, this whole like, the, the sensor suite side of, of the tractor comes standard with the tractor. It's, it's a piece of the tractor that is, is incredibly integral and the autonomy um, and, and the data is just a big 
big plus on side of, on, on top of that, which is, which is great. Yeah, so the trick will be working out which bits of data are most useful because, you know, you could be overwhelmed otherwise. So that's going to be, and that, of course, I guess that'll be site specific as well and dependent on geography and, and so on for, for individual farmers. Um, so how is production at the moment? I mean, this, this was Tesla's problem, wasn't it? Everybody wanted to buy it, but, but very few people could initially. Um, so how is production at the moment? Production is great. We've actually deployed our first tractor to the Wente family in Livermore, California. Um, and we are deploying 15 uh, pilot tractors right now to, to a series of farms. And then um, our full production rollout um, comes just after harvest this year. So um, we'll, start, we'll start deliveries uh, very soon, which is, which is very exciting. So if I wanted to buy 50, when could you get them to me? I mean, uh, not, I'm, I'm not going to order them, <laughs> but I don't have enough land. But if I did... When would we'll, you get, we'll get them to you by next year. Yeah, by 2022. Yeah. And that's global. Yeah. You, can, you can deliver anywhere. That was the other thing I was going to ask you where. <laughs> so we're, we're focused on the US right now. Um, so kind of California, Oregon, Washington, and, and within the United States. And then um, we have orders from all around the world from, from within Europe, England, um, all, you know, even up in Norway, which is really exciting, Italy, France, um, and then, uh, you know, New Zealand, Australia. Um, we haven't, we have, it's, it was incredible when we released on December 8th, um, just the amount of, of interest was incredible. So we're working with all the logistics and all the government agencies to, you know, make sure that, um, we, we deploy those, but the next market will be Europe, um, and then followed by Australia, New Zealand, et cetera. So it's. And are these just for vineyards or can they be used for other, other agricultural crops? No, the, this is a tractor that is is universal fruits, veggies. Um, you know, we're working with a number of orchards. Um, you know, it's exciting. We wanted to make a compact tractor. Um, so it's 1.2 meters wide on the narrowest stance. So the idea was that it could be a kind of a one size fits all. It's incredibly powerful when you look at um, the power of, of, you know, if you, if you look at like what Tesla has done to Bugatti and you look at the torque being twice that, um, all those correlations come right over into the electric tractor uh, universe as well. And so um, it's an incredibly powerful tractor, but it's compact. And by being compact, you can address, you know, a four and a half foot, five foot row, you can address an eight foot row, um, you know, so you can, you can really cover a lot of ground with that. And we're working, with, you know, orchards now, a lot of the orchards are being planted in high density vertical shoot positioning, which is um, uh, really great to see. And the tractor fits right into that blueberries, new strawberries, et cetera. So, yeah. Fascinating. Um, vineyard, vineyards first though, Toby, selfishly, that was something I told the guys. I was like, this has to work in the vineyards, but it's a much bigger universe beyond that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, of course there are some other similarities, you know, you mentioned it with orchards and so on. Um, someone here is asking um, about fruit picking capability. <laughs> I imagine not yet. Is that right? Yeah. Um, well, no. Um, so definitely on a robotic arm um, side, not yet, but um, we do see this being able to pull um, some of these incredible um, harvesters. Um, but Right out of the gate, um, we're, we're not focusing on harvesting, but the tractor certainly, if you have a harvester that you can be pulled behind it, it can, it can you know, as long as it, it falls within that, you know, horsepower of, of 40 to 75 horsepower, um, you, can, you can do that with Monarch. Um, that let's, explore, let's explore further the connection between this technology and a chemical-free vineyard. How does one lead to the other? Um, we mentioned better data. So if you if you have the 
autonomous tractor, you then have all this data, you then know where to tackle problems before they arise, which means you need fewer inputs. Yeah. But tell us more about that journey from the electric tractor to the, the chemical-free vineyard. Yeah, so, I mean, this is something that I'm, I'm passionate about. And the, the idea there is that, um, you know, there's always been this, this argument of, of and, and chem, chemical-free is, um, I think, coming very quickly behind just getting rid of, you know, synthetics and systemics, et cetera, and, and dealing with the, um, the carbon footprint and the cost divide that's always been dividing organic and conventional. So the idea first was to just make organic farming and, and also on a herb, herbicide-free basis, economically superior to, to conventional farming. Um, the exciting thing is that once you get rid of herbicides, your, your next big um, input is really just dealing with fungal pathogens. And so um, there's a couple ways that you can, you can you know, address this is, is, is spore trapping to be able to know when you know, the presence of a fungal pathogen is there that you need to spray for. Because if that, if that fungal pathogen is not there, then there's a good chance that you don't need to spray. Um, and then um, they're really, you know, we're, we're working with Cornell University. They have this um, uh, new technology that is basically hitting the plant with an incredible uh, light. So UV light to basically kill um, uh, mildew. Um, and so if you can, um, and, 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 you know, this is going at a slow rate, so you're not flying through the vineyard, but um, it, it's not it's not a snail's pace. You're moving, but if you can if you can do this, and again, this is where the autonomy, being able to drive slower, being able to do um, longer, and and you know your your day goes from an eight or ten hour day to a twenty four hour day, where you can either you know you swap the battery, um, or you can just go back in for five hours to recharge. It's about four to five hours on a on a, on a charge, and um, that's from empty, by the way, um, and so. Uh, you go back in, you recharge, you go back out, and you're not having to refill your your tank and your, make your chemical mixes. You're just using light. And so, when you address those two, um, your next big thing is dealing with you know pesticides and dealing with you know different you know insects that that um, aren't not ideal. And one way um, we're working to solve this is through just biodiversity and the idea of encouraging the right. Um, biodiversity. And so um, we've been working with Emily Kwan at UC Davis, who um, is dis dissecting insects to see what insects are eating and to be able to find, okay, well, what's going to eat the most leaf hoppers and, you know, mealy bug and the most, uh, you know, aphids and all the different, what's going to attack our, our, our challenges in the field and being able to um, go at it from, I, I would consider that kind of more of a permaculture um, uh, practice. And, and, and so being able to, through the red, blue, green camera, so um, RGB cameras, to be able to detect the presence of an insect, to be able to then um, upload that and see what type of insect that is, uh, and then um, be able to say, okay, this is a, a beneficial or this is a bad insect and you're having an outbreak in this area, you should probably deploy these you know, spiders or wasps or whatever beneficials that will help kick them out. Um, and so, you know, if we can solve those three areas, um, which herbicides is the easiest, that's the first to go. Um, the second will be the fungal pathogens. And then, um, and I think the fungal pathogens and then also, um, you know, the pest control will be kind of simultaneous because there's a significant amount of, of um, uh, energy being put into um, solving those, those challenges without using chemicals. Um, but that's, that's the goal, right, Toby, is to have a wine that there was no chemicals, no fossil fuels burned. It's a completely renewable 
um, you know, uh, and, and renewable really ties into that idea of permaculture. It's a permaculture. It's the, enti- it's the whole entire permaculture of that farm uh, is self-sustained. Yeah, I love the idea. I suppose at some point um, there'll be uh, concerns about introducing invasive species to tackle other species, right? I mean, there's going to be an interesting debate there about what constitutes a natural IPM solution and what is bringing in something that shouldn't be there and uh, how you define the, the size of your ecosystem that those species can be in that tackle others. That's going to be an interesting debate, I guess. Absolutely. And that will be, I mean, right now it's still like with, you know, cover crops, you know, did you introduce a, a, a plant that's going to take over the kind of natives and, and um, that, that whole conversation needs to happen. It's an important one, but I think that, um, you know, the, the company like UC Davis, for example, um, working on that, they're very, at least Emily has been very, um, you know, outspoken about saying we need to find, you know, native insects that can help deal, help deal with the challenges that currently exist here. Um, and then of course, I'm sure that that will become a, an, an industry of its own. So you do have to be careful and make sure that we <laughs> don't in, introduce an insect that's going to be negative on the, I mean, become the mongoose of Hawaii or something. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you hear about uh, beekeepers flying hives around, don't you? And they come to California and release the bees to pollinate the almond trees, and then collect them again. And then they go somewhere else. You know, yeah. you, that's what we want to be avoiding. Um, this is so interesting. Uh, questions for, uh, for Carlo. I know there's plenty of you watching. We've had a few good questions in the audience. I can bring you in on video. If you, uh, if you'd like to ask a question, just, Turn on your video and say hello. I think there's a much to discuss here. Who would like to start? It always takes a brave person to go first. And oh, there's a question here about what uh, does a driverless tractor do? So there's a there's a couple levels of autonomy, and this is the unique thing about being a farm is that you know you don't have all the distractions and 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 farmers like to farm their own way. They might skip every other row. They might skip you know four rows. They you know there's a whole series of ways that farmers like to farm their, their farm. And that's, that's some, something that's, so there's not really an autonomy magic switch that works for everybody. And so one of the cool things about the tractor is that the, the it's, it's, you can do copycat mode. So you can essentially go do a route every other row. When you lift the implement, when you lower the implement, when you engage the implement um, it's recording all that and it'll repeat that um, time and time again. And so it's, it's pretty, exciting to be able to think that you can farm your farm the way you want, but autonomously. Um, and so that's, that's kind of, um, something that I think is important. And then there is also the other level where you just click the sides of the block and you say, go farm block X, um, every row or every other row, and it'll do it without, um, but, but again, it's, it's the control of the tractor and the control of the implement. So you're really, you know, automizing the job, not, um, just the tractor which is which is important i don't know if i covered that earlier so yeah i mean it's amazing the potential for precision agriculture is extraordinary and particularly to deliver those cost savings that help make marginal farms more viable uh really is uh um technology is not the silver bullet at any time but it, you know it's bits of it are getting closer and closer to being really key aren't they for for helping survival and sustainability we'll finish up here carlo thank you so much